It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Las Vegas-based comedian, Lindsay Glazer, the second most famous comedian out of Peoria, Illinois, and we'll tell you who the first one is in a moment. But for everything about Lindsay Glazer, go to lindsayglazer.com. You can follow her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ira. Absolutely. So the other comedian, I promised I would reveal it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Sam Kinison. Ooh, you're wrong. Sam Kinison's <laughs> from East Peoria. The most famous, I mean, and that's my favorite thing is to correct people when <laughs> I'm right and they're wrong. The most famous comedian from Peoria, Illinois is none other than Richard Pryor. Excellent. I would not have remembered that. I should have, but I didn't. Right? So yes, you're right. It's You gave a tease in, in your information that Sam is in East Peoria, but I thought it was still going to be Sam, which is why I made a fool out of myself and said it. So that's good. I like that. I like to trick people. <laughs> so you're a Midwestern female who became a lawyer before a comedian. Now, what possessed you, A, to become a lawyer, and then we'll get into what possessed you to become a comedian. So let's start with, obviously, the lawyer part. Well, I never wanted to become a lawyer. I was a journalist, journalism major. I graduated early from Indiana University. And then my dad said what basically a lot of Jewish parents, there's an old street joke. This is not my joke. But this is an old street joke that a Jewish dad or mom says to her son, sweetie, you can be anything, honey, you can be anything you want when you grow up, any kind of doctor or lawyer you want. And so my dad was basically like, how about you go get a law degree? I'll pay for school. It's not going to hurt you either way. And so I did. I got into law school and then I was like, okay, I guess even if I don't become a lawyer, a law school is good. But I hated I hated law school itself. Like I really hated it. I almost quit in the middle, but practicing law was great because I got to argue and prove basically law when you're litigating is just proving yourself right and arguing with people. And <laughs> Ira, you know, there's another old Jewish like joke that's basically like 10 Jews, 12 opinions in one room. So that's basically <laughs> what law is. What was it about law school that you didn't like particularly? Was it too dry or something? No, else? it was just like, I think by the time, like, I didn't like college. I wasn't like people always like assume I was like popular and I wasn't because I was kind of like an old soul. And like, I liked academia and I thought I was going to get to like college and it was going to be about learning. I went to like my high school. I went to like a fancy dumb prep school, which I learned more at in high school than I did in college. And college was just about like partying and drinking a lot and like going out. (laughs) And that wasn't my thing at all. I actually go out more in comedy than I ever did. So I got the school. I'm such a nerd. I got the school to Graham. You were only allowed to take 18 credits and you could only do that with special permission. I applied and got the school to give me permission to do 21 credits per semester and graduate an entire year early because I wanted to get out of college. I was that big of a nerd. And so I think by the time like I got to law school, I was like academically burnt out and I didn't want to be a lawyer. And it's all just like, you know how like guys talk about like girls asking them like hypotheticals, like, would you still love me if I was a worm or an inanimate object? Law school was like that times 100. And it was like those old math problems. Like if four people left the train station and one was in Tokyo and one was in LA and someone committed a tort. It was just like, I was already, 
it's already mentally torturing. And they're like torturing you. And so I think that like later when I was practicing law as a litigator and there were stakes, like you were really helping people. Now I liked it because it was practical and I could see the end result. Now I was burned out as a litigator. But in law school, I was just like, it was just like a who's who of how smart you are, arrogant people arguing, trying to like overly competitive. Um, what was the movie where they're like, look to the left and look to the right and neither one of you, one of you won't be here. And it was like that. It I'm going to take crazy. a, I'm going to take a stab, maybe paper chase. Paper chase. Yes. Okay. Wow. I got one thing right. All right. One thing right. Two points. Okay. Excellent. By the way, when you mentioned about going to that train and going to LA for the tort, I would imagine people eat torts in LA as opposed to just suing for torts. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, only if they're vegan. Yes, but, of course. I mean, if it was eating torts, that's spelled a different way. Then I would have been a fan, <laughs> T-O-R-T. But torts itself is like, if I stabbed Iron, he already had a heart condition. Is he an angel <laughs> plaintiff? Or can he recover triple damages? Can he recover punitive damages? And what color was his hat? And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> So you get out of law school, you're bored of law school, but you enjoy the law, but so you still made a decision to become a comedian. Now, how did that happen? Where was that Where was that switch? And how did you explain it to friends, family, and potential lovers that, you know, I have this high-paying job as a lawyer, but I'm going to go on the road and stay at the comedy condo and uh, all of that stuff. How did that all work? Well, technically, I've been a comedian since I was about 10 years old. Oh, yes. Yeah, so no, there's no doubt you have a sense of humor. And I'm sure it started at a very early age. But somewhere in there, you decided professionally to do what so many people do, and so many people don't do well. That's the interesting thing, too. There's so many people that think they're comedians, and then when the road hits the rubber, or the rubber hits the road, or the comedian hits the road, and then they find out it's a whole different world. My dad thinks he's a comedian. He leaves me voicemails telling me what to use in my act all the time. Technically, <laughs> I come from a long line of theater people. My great-grandfather was Harry Ostrin who was both the first lawyer in the country to get a girl alimony, a wife alimony for the dad, for the husband kissing another woman, and also the producer of Tobacco Road on Broadway. So it is genetic in my bloodline that we do law and theater, law and producing. <laughs> has but your, I, think, go ahead. I was going to say, has your dad ever called you, besides giving you ideas for jokes, has he ever called you and asked for the money back that he paid for law school? No, but he does ask me where his finder's fee is all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my album, which you know is coming out, is called Thanks Dad. It's now, he doesn't know it's sarcastically with a period. I love that. <laughs> when is that coming out? It comes out April 14th, actually. I produced right. it with Comedy Dynamics. And I'm very excited. I just like approved the artwork like yesterday. And it's my first one. And so I can say to my dad, look, it wasn't a total waste of money. I <laughs> Law helps me. It still helps me. I don't need an agent because I can read my own contract. So I don't have to give out my 20%. I don't need a manager because I'm not famous enough, but also because I can read my own contract. <laughs> but I think that, so I was a litigator, right? I started the public right. defender's office. That is a performance-based skill. And here's the thing, you don't know this, but there was a study done, like a scientific peer-reviewed study done that the more laughs per minute you got in voir dire, which is jury selection, the more likely you were to win a case, even if that case was a murder death penalty case. So it is a similar performance skill. Right. As you know, Ira, you're a Jew. All jobs are sales jobs. <laughs> sell laughter to an audience, not guilty verdicts, not guilty verdicts to a jury. You sell entertainment <laughs> to an audience. 
Unless, Everything sales. Unless you have a jury of anti-Semites, then you have a problem, even with the humor. I heard someone say on the radio the other day that all people are just shysters. And I was like, okay. <laughs> well, how did My you- ex-husband actually called up and like told the radio, hey, you can't say that. They- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll try and keep it on track here. When you made the decision, though, you had to tell everybody, right? And then you had to start out, I assume, from scratch. And were they supportive? Were they not so supportive? So surprisingly, my dad, when I was like in in school, in college, I told him I was going to be an English major. And for some reason, he thought journalism was more practical and made me major in journalism, even though English professors make like 45000 and journalists make 12000 in the beginning. Right. But my grandfather a long time ago said we needed a comic in the family. <laughs> so my, my dad was like very supportive, surprisingly, from the beginning. But I also didn't just quit my job and start comedy. I kept my day job, okay. did open mics and kept doing it. Now, I absolutely had like a an advantage because I could take a lot more losses up front, which meant I could drive five hours for a guest spot on the weekend and pay for my own hotel room, which meant I got to 10,000 hours faster than someone who can't do that. So there were definitely advantages I had from being a lawyer. But also I, there were disadvantages because um, people couldn't relate to me. But I don't know if you ever saw 30 Rock, but yes. did you ever see that show? Yeah, some there was a, I've never really seen it, but I just saw this like clip and Alex Baldwin is telling like Tracy Morgan that he's no longer relatable to the common audience anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? And then it flashes to Tracy Morgan doing like stand-up comedy. He's like, you know, when you're on your private plane and you fly your private <laughs> island and you're eating lobster like this and like everyone's just silent. That's how it was for me, but like with less of an extreme. I obviously didn't have private or anything like that, right. but I had like a paying day job. I wasn't like, you know how it is when you're on the Greyhound bus? Like I wasn't doing that. Right. No, no, you, so, were, you were driving and flying in comfort. You mentioned about the 10,000 hours. So for our audience, many people may not know what that reference is to. So 10,000 hours is a Malcolm Gladwell thing from his book, The Tipping Point, which talks about to be an expert in anything, you need 10,000 hours. And to get to 10,000 hours, I was just lucky. Well, first off, I lived in Fort Lauderdale, which at the time didn't have an improv, but I was still able to get up five times a night at decent open mics. And I used to drive. That's the other thing. I could pay for gas to drive two hours away to right. Fort Myers to a club called Laughing, and the owner there, Brian Corion, was really good to me and would give me like five minute guest spots, let me host, and would do that stuff. So I, I really like he's really the reason I got ahead faster because he was willing to do that, and I was able to afford to drive the two hours. So let's make no mistake about it, I had some privilege that other people didn't have. No, it's a nicer way to do it. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Did you end up having to occasionally buy other comedians on the road food? Since yeah, yeah. So well, so. not food. I food. Most comic clubs are pretty good about giving you like free food or food. But like Pat Garrity is a guy who took me on the road early on. I definitely helped him out with gas money and stuff like that because I had a a paying stable job and he was living fully off a of comedy and I was grateful. And some people like, some people like, Oh, you paid him all. I'm like, no, I just paid for gas. Cause I could afford, you know, it was what gas or we took my, in most cases we actually just took my car because his car. So I paid for gas anyways, cause his car was like a rundown beaten thing with like no air conditioning. Right. Right. Sometimes we had to take his car because he had people sign his car. And so he's <laughs> headlining. And Pat Garrity was very good about, only like when I was like, Hey, can I feature? He's like, no, you're not ready. And he's like, and because he was very good, he goes in because people are already saying that we're sleeping together. I need to make sure that you are like extra ready when I recommend you for feature. So no one can say it. He was good. He protected me. And other guys I worked with, Pat Garrity is just the main one I worked with. Right. 
But other guy comics protected me too, where they actually said it's better for you if you host even longer. So when we do recommend you, no one can say, oh, she's not really ready and just spread a bunch of rumor, which happens right. to all female comics. Right. I am certainly not the only one. I'm not even the only one in Vegas. Well, so, it's handy that you're a lawyer because you can sue for slander. Yes. So that's interesting you bring that up because <laughs> I have heard some stuff about me on a on a podcast here called Nobody Likes Onions that is for entertainment purposes only. And like, if I wanted to, I guess I could say some stuff for, about slander, but honestly, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, it's still, even if you're a lawyer, it still takes a lot of time and effort. And, it takes time and money, and my rate's 300 yeah. an hour. Yeah, no, exactly. Thank God you're not charging me for this. Or maybe you right? are. Right? I thought about it, yeah. but, you know, oh, I was like, and, and I, thought, I was just excited to be with you. I was like, Ira Steinberg is the only other two I know in Las Vegas now. Well, now it's Sternberg, but you're close. Sternberg. See, now I have, to, I have to get one wrong, too, to make you feel better about your mistake about Sam Kinison. That's <laughs> true. I was going to sue you for slander by calling me Steinberg instead of Sternberg, but right? it's the cost and the, you know, just it's too much time and trouble. It's the mental, yes. it's not just the cost, it's yeah. the labor. Now, you mentioned Las Vegas. So how did you end up, you're on the road, you're traveling around with Pat and other comedians, you're putting in your 10,000 hours, you're appearing on television shows, you've got an album coming out in April called, again... It's called Thanks Dad. Thanks Dad. Period. Not an exclamation period. Always a, a period. And you somehow end up based in Las Vegas as I introduced you. So how did that happen? So the way that happened is I moved to Los Angeles because we lost our house in a hurricane in Fort Lauderdale. This was a very big news story. You can Google it. I lived at Scotty Pippen's house temporarily during that time. I ended up moving to Los Angeles because my family was in Santa Barbara and I knew Los Angeles would be close enough to them that I could see them, but also far enough away. My dad couldn't stop by unannounced. That happened all the <laughs> it still happened if I lived there. He stops at my sister's house all the time under the pretense of bringing donuts. Of course. And, That's what they do. Right. And then, but also I would see them and be close enough to an airport. Wait, I'm probably wait, the wait, one a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Donuts, not bagels. Donuts. My dad has a sweet tooth. Okay. Also, there are no good bagels in California. Ira, you should know that. And I was close enough to the airport. I'm probably the only comic who didn't move to Los Angeles for comedy. Uh, <laughs> to me, you move to Los Angeles for comedy and you get worse. I know so many good comics who moved to Los Angeles and got worse because they could only get five, 10 minutes. I stayed on the road <laughs> because then you get the hour. You can't right. move to Los Angeles and still have an hour when you're being bumped by Leslie Jones every night. Right. And uh, who I love. And I am totally excited when yeah, I Yeah, but you don't want to be bumped. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just, you have to, you know, Comedy, even Seinfeld says, comedy is a muscle like anything else. And Seinfeld even said, if he doesn't get up five times a night, you feel rusty. And it really, and in Zoom, I was so rusty and the pandemic happened. I was living in Los Angeles, the pandemic happened. And I was like, why am I paying all this money for rent? I'm a Jew. This is stupid. We're not even <laughs> able to go outside or go anywhere. And my dad, after he tried to retire 15 times, he can't retire. Everyone in our family is type A. We have to have like... 17 jobs. I remember when I was in Miami, my friend whose dad was Israeli, he's like, are you secretly Jamaican? Because Jamaicans <laughs> like traditionally have a lot of different jobs. And um, I'm like, my dad tried to retire and then became a professional poker player. Like, <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's been playing poker and crap since I was five years old. Right. We used to come visit here. Like I we used to say the desert Inn before they tore it down because my dad liked the non-smoking casino. And then eventually we stayed at the Bellagio. So we were coming here before he even became a poker guy. We would come here a lot. We'd play craps. He'd rent the table. He'd play craps all the time. He eventually learned poker. He played in all these tournaments. He played in the, the what's it called? The World Series, the Five Star Diamond Bellagio tournament. He's played in all those tournaments. 
So then I was like, where's their cheap property that I'm not going to pay a ridiculous amount of rent that's still good for comedy? And I've been hearing about Las Vegas for five years. And frankly, I should have. The smart Jewish move, Jewish money move would have been to move to Las Vegas instead of Los Angeles. But I just, I don't know. At the time, I thought the Jewish community was better in LA. It would be sunnier. And I don't know what I thought. I, I honestly don't know. I was It was a blur because at the time, we had moved like nine times, then lived in Pippin's house. We lost our house in a hurricane. In the middle of that, my husband and I were starting to get separated. And then the pandemic happened. And then it was just, it was just a very crazy sort of five years. Like my daughter, this is not funny at all, but my daughter had like the markers of all the markers of like PTSD, like or before she lost her house in a natural disaster, moved like nine times, parents, you know, all her like stability. So I was just like, where can we go? that we're never going to move again, that isn't too cold. I didn't know that Vegas was going to be cold in the winter. I'm so angry that I didn't know that. And it snowed this year. You know, lawyers do research, don't they? Yeah, but I did. And I was like, okay, it's cool in the winter, but I didn't know it was going to like snow. That's well, like, that obviously. Yeah, that doesn't happen every year. So, yeah. But people so I just, people listen and watch us from all over the world. So that's why I wanted, the, I wanted your take on Vegas for people not only here in Las Vegas, but elsewhere to understand. What what, yeah. dro what drove you here? And so you're based here now, and yet you're able to travel and do things all over the place because it's, yeah. it is a natural. We have an international airport here, obviously, and you can even fly to Santa Barbara has an airport. You can fly to see your dad and bring him donuts. I mostly drive to Santa Barbara because I don't want to go like they don't have that many direct flights from Las Vegas to Santa Barbara other than Southwest, which is fine, but they're just not at the time. But I right. drive to my dad. I see him more now here. I know I got sidetracked. Um, I, good job keeping me focused. I haven't taken Ritalin yet. No, I'll keep um, you focused. Don't worry. My dad, I see him now more, my family more now than I did in LA. I love living in Las Vegas. I'm going to be here the rest of my life. It's a fantastic city. People think it's all about the strip. It's really not. The strip is its own thing, but it's one of the fastest growing Jewish populations in the country. Right. It's got a great, like, it's got horrible public schools, but good private schools. Well, it's they'll, got be, a, they'll be upset to hear that from you, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Who will be Nevada? It's not my fault. The, They're ranked the school, worse than no, the, the country. No, the school district will be, not Nevada. And I'm sorry, Clark County. Clark County, but like if you type <laughs> it into Google, now Clark County, what's interesting about that is Clark County has some like really great services for like kids who have autism and ADD and things like that. Perfect for you. Perfect for me, right? Which which are better than a lot of other places, but they are still technically ranked last in the country in education, which is why I set my skill to private school. But there are plenty of people who went to like, Public school. I think Jill Kimmel grew up here. She went to public school here and then the art school and high school. Right. Uh, you know, Jimmy, that means that Jimmy Kimmel did too. So they're doing great. They obviously are fine. You, you do know. get off topic, don't you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, try. Okay. I try not to get off topic. It's the Zoom thing. I'm looking at the green light, <laughs> trying to answer why we were in Las Vegas. You told me Clark County is going to be mad at me. And now I'm worried they're going to sue me for slander, even though what I said is easily Googleable. <laughs> I just thought, here's a segue, and it's a totally disconnected segue, and that is, if you added an I to your name, you could be fitting glass into windows and doors. What do you think about that? What do you mean? Glazer well, I? Glazier, instead of glazer. Oh, that's true. I mean, my last name is originally a shortened Russian made-up name for Ellis Island. Well, for, for our audience that may not have gotten that awful joke, instead of G-L-A-Z-E-R, it's G-L-A-Z-I-E-R. That's where I was going with that. It obviously but, fell flat, but I can live with it. 
But no, but also Glazer is the shortened Russian word for glassmaker. My family was glassmakers. Oh, so it's a double meaning. That's good. I like that. See? Yeah. I I am off topic. You told me this was a conversation, not a focus (laughs) shtick thing. (laughs) That's how I talk normally in real life. Now, here's the irony. Your 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 album coming up in April is called Thanks Dad, period. But when you speak, there are no periods. That's right. There's just commas and ellipses. Not even com no, it's just a continual run on, which I I'm like. Sorry. It's fine. It's very East Coast. And it's funny because yeah. you were born in Peoria and grew up, but yeah, it's very East Coast. I like that. Well, but my grandparents were from Manhattan on my Yeah, dance. there you go. There you go. This now- jacket's from Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> when you started writing comedy and performing comedy, was there one person you modeled yourself after or at least looked to for inspiration or any of that? Not like that, uh, but I just tried to like watch people and like how many laughs they were getting per second and seeing like the pacing. I watched like Gary Goldman a lot. People always ask me this. I never remember. Maria Bamford's amazing for like Maria Bamford is a good person to watch if you have no periods. <laughs> and um, DC, DC Benny is great. I mean, DC Benny and I are close friends, mostly because I didn't know who he was and I didn't know he was famous. And I met him in Miami in an open mic. But did you go uh, to anybody and say, hey, I'd like some advice on how to set this up right, whether it's the writing, the structure, the performing, the moves, any well, of that kind of stuff? Pat Garrity, who's not famous, who I worked with on the road. Oh. Here's the thing. A lot of people get taken on the road and they just get stage time. Pat Garrity took me on the road, but he didn't just give me stage time. He sat, he watched my set, he gave me advice, he gave me tags, he helped me with pacing, he did all of that. There's a very big difference between having a mentor who just says, drive me to my set and, you know, sits (laughs) in the back and, you know, does cocaine or pot in the green room and doesn't watch you, (laughs) and a mentor who actually watches you. So both DC, Benny, and Pat were very good at, like, helping me with that sort of thing. Um, Susan Jones now... When I have something I want um, watched, I ask Susan Jones here in town. Um, Jay Devon is another person in town who I would ask if I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? Or like, um, what do you think of this tag? Uh, all, all comics are lying if they say they don't ask like other comics for help. Right. We all tell each other tags, et cetera, like that. Right. Do you see your life on the road for the next five, 10 years? Do you want to do other God, kinds I hope of comics? <laughs> <laughs> maybe just limit it to temples and synagogues and that way you can at least be in a whole different world but do you want to do movies television do you want to write a book i know the album we keep mentioning the album which i don't mind it's coming out in april it's called thanks dad with a period not a comma and now an exclamation point i actually did write a book it's not out yet i'm working on whether i want to self-publish or publish with a lit agent it's called am i fucking zen yet the answer is no no periods and I would like to have that book published. And I'd eventually like to be a writer or staff writer on a TV show. I've written a couple pilots. I do some radio here, but I would like to not be on the road for the next five to 10 years. I moved to Vegas for that dual purpose of it's a good family, Jewish count and comedy because there's a lot of clubs. But here's the thing about Las Vegas. There are not a ton of like good open mics. The only, I don't want to get in trouble here. It's there's only very few open mics that have like real audiences. Wise Guys has an open mic on Tuesday and Wednesday that is not made up of just comics or people drunk in a bar that you can go work out stuff at. Other than that, there are a lot of clubs, but here's the thing. You can't do those clubs every week unless you're just like hosting or whatever. So it's not as, and you're competing with people like George Wallace, 
Garrett top and every Brian Regan and everyone who's like Brad Garrett is coming over here. So you have to still stay on the road to still do an hour all the time. Right. I've headlined wise guys twice this year. And that's more than normal Mm -hmm. because when you headline something, it's supposed to be 12 to 18 months in between. The only reason I happened to headline wise guys twice is I taped my album there in December after I headlined in August to run the album for the weekend. So no, I would, please, if you are listening, comedy seller, Brad Garrett's, all those clubs, everything, I would love to not be on the road for five (laughs) to 10 years. (laughs) Like, at that point, I'll just buy a small, you know, I'll just buy a small black box theater here and run my own stuff. Ira, you have any leads there? Yeah, I may, have, I may have one or two for you. Yeah, I may have one or two for you. There's a lot of little rooms opening up that are fascinating in terms of around town. And as you say, a lot of the stuff that goes on is not on the strip or downtown. It's out in the suburbs and other cities within Clark County. And it's great because that kind of culture is expanding. It's not just comedy, it's jazz, all kinds of music. And so, you know, it could very well be that you will, I could see it, Lindsay's opening up right on Eastern. Well, no, well, we want to have you on the other side of town. So right on, I would say, uh, oh, Buffalo. Yeah, we'll do Buffalo. Yeah, that'll work. I don't know if Summerlin would support comedy. Like I could do comedy <laughs> in my country club at TPC, but every time there's a Summerlin room, it closes down because people are older with kids and suburbs. So they can't go out on a Thursday night or, or they don't want to because they're older. We'll right. see, though. We'll see. We'll see. We have a couple of minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about your daughter. Not a lot, but I like the fact that you are inspired by her and you're a single mom and you're, you're working hard. How does that work in terms of the daughter mother relationship? Is it a strong one? It's very strong. It's hard because she doesn't like when I travel. So when I'm like home, it's a very condensed time. I don't think I've slept alone in my bed for like four years. She sleeps with me when I'm at home, which is fair because I'm gone a lot. But I wanted to like teach her that like, you know, you can follow your dreams. You don't have to do what like your, you know, traditional Jewish parents think you should do. She tells me it's not fair. She can't see my comedy because all my comedy is about her. (laughs) And I'm very, very lucky. I have a decent relationship with my ex. We have no court issues. We solved all the money. It probably helps that I was the lawyer and so were his family. His family were actually divorce lawyers. So we knew the only people who get the money if we go to court are the lawyers. So right. we'd rather the money go to the kid. Yep. So we just, we knew that we didn't even use a mediator. We're just, we work it out on our own and we're lucky that our families can be in the same room. So like we can have a Thanksgiving together if we want. Yeah. No, just, that, that's great. Your album that you mentioned that is coming out in April again called Thanks Dad, period. When you taped it, was it also video that you taped or was it just, I say tape, but it recorded digitally, I'm sure. Was it video as well as audio or just audio? We just professionally did the audio. I mean, I okay. videotaped it for myself so right. we could later right. promo clips, but it's just a comedy album, like audio only. So you'll hear it on iTunes, Spotify, Weezer, Weezer, I guess, or Deezer, not Weezer, Deezer is the music thing, all that stuff. Okay. So yeah. that's how it works. How do you keep yourself busy besides all of that? Because <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Ooh, that's enough. I mean, I'm working with um, I'm working on throwing an album release party right now. Fingers crossed. Be a crazy horse. What's it called? Crazy horse or wild horse? I always forget. Well, there's a crazy horse. There's a crazy horse two. I think crazy horse two is not around anymore. I may be wrong, but we'll see how it works. We'll either be there. I'm trying to throw the album party. I leave tomorrow for gigs on the East Coast. I come back and then I leave again for Canada for two weeks. And that's my first time doing Canada. And then in the meantime, I try and write 
write a bunch of like sitcoms and TV pilots because I know once you get an agent, they go, that's cute. You've been doing stand-up comedy for a while. What else do you have? And then I'll hand them a binder full of three pilots, three night packets, and a book. Go, just this. Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been comedian Lindsay Glazer. For everything, no periods. No periods. For everything about Lindsay Glazer, that's G-L-A-Z-E-R. You go to lindsayglazer.com and you can follow her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And I'll be sitting by the door waiting for my donuts. Lindsay, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Bring us your fantasy.